It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. I'll tell you what, there's no worse feeling than the Auburn game starting at 11 o'clock this past Saturday, and I realized I didn't prepare properly. I had no food to eat while watching some Auburn Tigers football, so Michael, guess what I did? Fetch me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't even get off my couch. I just used the Fetch Me Home delivery app, and I used promo code FETCHME20. Got my first delivery free. That's actually not true. I didn't do that because I've used that already. So I just did a normal delivery. But mm. if you haven't, use Fetch Me 20 for your first delivery free. And uh, yeah, free, great mobile app as well as FetchMeDelivery.com. Fetch Me 20 for your first delivery free. Zach Blackerby here with you, and I'm joined by my good friend and co host today, Michael Pappas. Hello, sir. Hello, Zach. How are you today? I'm good, man. Mondays feel good after an Auburn Tiger victory. Auburn back in the top 10. And what is really building up to be an awesome showdown in Baton Rouge. We kind of expected this a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe thought Auburn would be ranked higher after a road victory to Florida. That obviously did not happen. But Auburn finding their way back in the top 10. Still controlling their own destiny in regards to winning the SEC West and kind of running the table and getting a chance at the big uh, you know, on, on the big show with the college football playoff at the end of the season. So, you know, there was a lot of folks out there that was like, okay, you know, this Auburn-Arkansas game could be a trap game. I wasn't really buying that. Uh, I know you weren't either. Auburn Auburn took care of them. It was not a trap game. It was not a trap game, and really the game was over about five minutes into it with Auburn scoring two touchdowns quickly, and that was really kind of all they needed. The defense held them to 10 points, and uh, really just an exciting, exciting sh- – I don't know. They, they absolutely obliterated Arkansas. Yeah. So. This was uh, really great to see. From from an Auburn perspective, I mean Auburn needed to come out and be convincing in this game, and they went out and did exactly that. I, I think they exceeded; they definitely exceeded my expectations. Um, I feel like they exceeded yours a little bit too. I mean, both of our score predictions had, uh, I think, we were uh, in the thirties. Yeah, I think Auburn scoring less and, and Arkansas scoring a, a little more, mm-hmm. and even Arkansas's one touchdown took a pretty crazy catch and run from an incredibly good tight end, Cheyenne O'Grady, for Arkansas. So yeah, just. And he almost fumbled at the end. So it was a a really great performance from Auburn all around. So now, uh, I mean, I want to talk about this Arkansas game for a little bit, but my gut reaction is to, let's talk about LSU, but let's try to hold off and do that for the rest of the show um, throughout this week. So uh, just looking back at this game, Seth Williams Mm -hmm. continues to get better and better in my mind. And I think Malzahn is doing a better job of getting him involved. I wish we could have seen this level of involvement on the road in Florida. And for whatever reason, we didn't see it. Same with Anthony Schwartz. The slant early to mm-hmm. Anthony Schwartz in the red zone. That was awesome. I know Auburn fans are dying to see more slants, more inside routes, and more Anthony Schwartz. And he almost scored on it. So, I mean, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like Auburn fans would have just like not known what to do with themselves if he would have gotten in the end zone. But, I mean, that's a lot of things that Auburn fans have been craving. Yeah, and, 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 and you saw it early. Justin Ferguson, friend of the program, he wrote a great story about how um, just a, a little subtle change to the depth chart 
instead of Schwartz and Williams playing the same position, they moved Schwartz to uh, Ryan Davis's old position this week. And, you know, they both got involved. Seth Williams, four receptions on six targets for 90 yards and two touchdowns. Schwartz had seven targets, six receptions, 73 yards and a touchdown. And I believe he carried the ball, yeah, two times for for 30 yards. So Anthony Schwartz touchdown catch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, a, you know, a, a, a deep route. The touch on the throw from Bo Nix was awesome. I mean, that is what you want your freshman quarterback to do on the road. Yeah, Bo Nix... I mean, the whole offense struggled a little in the second quarter. Uh, Bo was definitely a part of that. Um, he missed Schwartz uh, on a slant that the beat writers were saying could have been a 90-yard touchdown if that mm-hmm. was a good throw. And it kind of seemed like the whole Auburn offense got a little complacent there. Um, you know, obviously had a big a big first quarter. Yeah, you blink, it's 14 nothing, mm-hmm. and then it kind of stayed that for a while. Yeah, went to 17 nothing, and then, and, and you know, that happens. This is still a, a relatively young team, right? The skill position on offense, the skill position sure. players are all younger guys. And I'm not sure if it was Gus or if it was Bo or a different coach or one of the offensive linemen. Uh, they got them right there in the second half. Maybe it was the defense. Maybe the defense went over and was like, we're playing our tails off, and you guys are really going to do this to us again. And, mm. You know, the offense woke up there, second drive of the of the second half. They woke up and they marched down the field and you the know, rest is history the after rest, that. Yeah. 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 So I love Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz being on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it, it just to put it very simple, when your two best receivers are on the field at the same time, your offense is gonna look better. I know that surprises a a, a ton of people, but I wanna see Bo Nix get better from an accuracy standpoint. I think some of it is he's so afraid to turn the football over that he's throwing it to where no one can catch it. Yeah. I want to see him throw it in there and give the guys a chance. He does it when he targets Seth, mm-hmm. but there are other guys that he targets, and he he's being a little timid with passing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I get that a little bit, and I don't think it's the worst thing, and I think that's also something that will come with a, a little more – you know, I guess just trust with receivers. You know, I, I think it's fair to say that he trusts Seth Williams a lot right now. Um, and, and maybe it's just the other guys that'll come with time, with practice, with uh, with reps, or, or seeing them make big plays in games. Mm-hmm. A storyline going into the game that I had no idea was a thing was Auburn breaking the record for most consecutive PATs made. I didn't know they were that close. Didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, we talked about that last week, that they potentially could have broken it against Florida. Did we talk about that? Yeah. Who else was with us? Because I must have zoned out for it. Uh, I believe... Was it just us? Was Painter in here with us? I believe it was when Painter and Tom Green were both with us. How about that? I don't remember that at all. Mm -hmm. But anyway, well done for you guys for talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, but yeah, so, well done for the Auburn kickers from for breaking the record. Yeah, I mean, and that's got to be cool for you know Daniel and Anders to both be a part mm-hmm. of that. Like that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then Cody they break it, and then two kicks later, yeah. it's just like oh, okay, that's the most Auburn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they broke it. Dan Peck was saying on after the game that I think it was Miami who had a chance to break it a couple of years ago or something, and they missed the kick that would have tied it or something like that. Dang. And Auburn missed the one, like, you know, two after they broke it. That's going to be tough to break. Oh, yeah. I mean, that I, level of consistency. Six years. It's six years worth of PATs. That's wild. It's uh, The last time Cody Auburn Parking. missed a, uh, a PAT, they went and, uh, when they went to the national championship game. You buying it this year? Mm. Uh, what if that's the secret? Auburn misses PATs, <laughs> they go to the natty. 
Just one, though. Yeah, just one. Exactly one PAT. Yeah, so it was, uh, I believe it was Parky, Daniel Car- Cody Parky, Daniel Carlson, Ian Shannon. No, Daniel Carlson Sage missed L- one. Daniel, Daniel Carlson started it. I don't think Cody Parkey was a part of it. Oh, okay. I thought it was... Because it, the thing was, it started and ended with Dan. It started with Daniel, ended with Anders. Was kind of the thing. Oh, okay. I'm misinformed then. Okay, I thought it was. I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what they said on the broadcast. Okay, so Daniel Sage Ledbetter, Ian Shannon, and Anders. Yep. Anders. Yep. I really thought it was five of them. It may. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Running back, no running back was a big thing going into it, and man, Harold Joyner runs from deep. Yeah, I've, I've got a stat of the day. Um, okay, Harold well, Joyner three carries for fifty-four yards and a touchdown. Your thoughts, Zach? Um, maybe we were wrong. <laughs> I mean, r- real talk. I mean, that late in the game. I mean, it's it's a forty-point game at yeah, that point. No, I, Do you think any of that matters? Because uh, I think Auburn fans are going to act like it does. Mm-hmm. Do you think it should? Um, just from a standpoint of, I mean, he had three carries. Let's not, I mean, a lot of people were reaching out on Twitter because of what you and Painter said last week and we were wrong. Yeah. I, I, I don't read that much into it. Like you said, it's, it's three carries when Auburn's already up 35 points or whatever. I mean, we've, we've got like two or three voicemails. We've got several tweets. I'm going to wait till Painter's on before we play those voicemails. Cause I don't want, I want him here to defend himself and kind of give his thoughts on it, but kind of, a. It's kind of cool that so many people are kind of hanging on to some of the words that we say. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. But people yeah. are like, he looked really good. He had three carries. And that one run was awesome. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. And it was between the tackles, mm-hmm. uh, kind of contrary to what we were saying. But there was a reason he was playing that late in the game. DJ Williams got more touches than I thought he would. Really? He got more than I thought. Yeah. And like he, he got them all really, it seemed like after Cam Martin was done. Which I think is interesting. Cam Martin was when the game was close. Cam Martin was in, and then mm-hmm. they kind of leaned him off and let DJ Williams take over. Yeah, in the second half or the third quarter, it was mostly DJ Williams. Yeah, a little similar to the way we saw Booby Whitlow used against A and M, uh, which may just be a coincidence. Um, but I, I didn't really it think, may not be. It, I didn't it, think Cam Martin played that well. He was the leading rusher. He had ten carries for eighty-four yards. But it was that toss sweep. I was about to say if you take out. If you take out one carry for 52 yards. But that's kind of the appeal of him, right? Is, yeah. I mean, he could break it. I just... Also thought he would have scored on that. He got yeah. caught from behind. That surprised me. I mean, he's obviously incredibly fast, but, you know, SEC defenders, they have speed too. So It's true. I just... For me, it's like he had, what, nine carries for 32 yards outside. So that's still four yards a carry mm-hmm. or three just under four yards to carry, which isn't bad, but I'm still Cam Martin between the tackles. He doesn't break tackles. There was a pass. A.U. Warden pointed this out to me, and I saw it when I was making my GIF thread yesterday. 
And the, the pass to Sal Canella, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the one, you know, it seems like Sal Canella's do one of those a game. DJ Williams works across the pocket to yep. pick up an edge rusher. And he doesn't lay him out or anything, but he gets in the way, and that's everything you need him to do. Because you know you're not going to draw holding that way. You're not going to draw hands to the face or anything like that. It's a smart play, and allows Bo Nix to step up and, and, and make his throw. And good read, good movement, good block. That's that's what you ask for, for from a running back in pass protection. 100%. And like I think Malik Miller could have done that, but mm-hmm. I don't think the other ones could outside of Booby. Like I don't think Cam Martin would have been able to do that there, and I don't think Sean Shivers would have been able to do that there. So there's some value in that, and I think you know it, it, it's it's kind of like Cody Burns and Malzahn. They really value wide receivers blocking downfield. They've gotten really good at that. I think a, a, a big important thing for Cadillac Williams and Gus Malzahn is, hey, you've got to be the guy in pass protection. That's mm-hmm. how Malik Miller has earned this playing time so yep. far. And I think as an upperclassman and just his size, it's going to help him do that. But that's been how he's gotten on the field so far this season. Yeah, and I hate to be that guy. Be that guy, man. Who Who is just kind of like, you know, they're too small to play in the SEC or whatever. But, you know, it's it's pretty obvious that Cam Martin – struggles running between the tackles with those guys that are just so much bigger than he is. And I love the way that Sean Shivers runs. I mean, the guy loves contact. He he will run over anyone. But, you know, both of those guys are just so small that I feel like I, I just struggle to, to think that Auburn can really count on them between the tackles when they need yards. And, and Auburn has proven if they get – behind schedule if they get in these second and third and longs you know the offense doesn't do a great job although in this game on third and seven or more I think Auburn was five of six not including the third and 12 kneel down at the end of the game yeah so that's pretty impressive just from an I mean those are obvious passing downs right and Bo was able to make plays there guys were able to get open you can email the show at LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com. Jackson emails us, Hey guys, I'm currently writing this with four minutes left in the Arkansas game. It seems clear to me that DJ should be the starting running back. I'm also confused why y'all really don't like Harold Joyner. He seems to be better than Malik Miller and Cam Martin. Any thoughts? I don't dislike Harold Joyner. I just don't think he's like, and I still don't think he's a legitimate threat to get relevant snaps in the running game. Uh, I think he's kind of a one-trick pony. I think it's great that he was able to do that late in the game when when Auburn was up 35 or 40 points, however however much it, it was at the time. But I'm just not buying the fact that he's like a relevant running back on this year's team. Uh, I I just think other guys are better. Yeah, and I don't want to speak for Painter, but I don't think he was. I don't want to speak for Painter, but I'm going to go ahead and do that now. Uh, he, I don't think what I got from what he was saying on whatever that was Friday. I don't think he was saying that he doesn't like. Yeah. No Harold one is Joyner anti-Harold Joyner. Yeah. I just don't think he's, he's rel- he's a relevant running back on this year's team. I just think that painter was trying to say that from everything we've heard and seen at practice and from practice that Harold Joyner is not a running back. That's going to be in the legitimate running back rotation. And I, and honestly, I think we saw that during the game. He got some, some garbage time snaps there with the what backup center, backup guard. And yeah, I mean, all the backups, backup running. receivers. Let's see. Danny emails the show once again. Locked on Auburn at gmail.com. Guys, it sure like it sure looked like Joiner can run up the middle. It wasn't this guy a LSU commit at one time. Fascinating commitment story because he he was he was all in on going to LSU, 
And then, you know, Auburn was kind of number two. And, and Auburn kind of kept on touching base with him, touching base with him, touching base with him. He's from Alabama. He's an Alabama mm-hmm. guy. He's up in, from the Birmingham area. I forget which school. But LSU just kind of ghosted him. Like, they just, based on what I heard in recruiting analysts that I've talked to during his recruitment, people just people from LSU just quit responding to Harold Joyner. And so Harold Joyner's like, okay, I guess I'm going to Auburn. And when I asked you, well, why did LSU not want him? I mean, because this guy was ranked an extremely highly valued running back in the 247 sports composite. I'm like, why did these guys, why did these other places not want him? And their big thing is they looked at him and said, well, he's kind of, they're, they're, they're questioning his toughness. It's, it's kind of all the reports that I heard. And we still haven't really seen him be physical. And his big run, no one touched him. Now, mm-hmm. he moved well. And I, I'm not going to take fault with somebody going untouched and, and scoring a touchdown. I'm not trying to be critical here, but it it seems like that's the biggest characteristic that folks are very hesitant about with Harold Joyner that are kind of were in recruiting circles and, and high school coaches is the guy doesn't like contact. And, you know, a lot of his uh, the, the recruiting insider that told me this actually pulled up some videos and showed me his highlights. And anytime there was kind of any threat of contact, he busted to the outside. And he's like, you know, in the college level, you want to plow through and get six yards here. But, you know, he was so much more athletic than everybody at the high school level. He was able to do these types of things. And, like, there's all these videos of him doing, you know, handsprings all the way across the field and doing flips and all this stuff. I mean, what this guy is able to do with his body is not what is in question. It's, yeah, he's obviously incredibly athletic. Yeah, it, and, and that's kind of Malzahn's thing was – you know, he compared him to Charles Clay at Tulsa. It's like, all right, we just kind of want to use you in every which way. Now, this dude is not Charles Clay. I don't think. I mean, maybe that development and maybe kind of some switch goes off where he wants to run over people. And maybe he already has, and they're just kind of easing him into the game. I don't know. I'm not at practice. But that was the biggest concern with Harold Joyner. And that's not something that you just teach right away. He's got to learn to trust his body and kind of start craving that contact. And I don't know if it's happened yet. And I don't think there's any way to know until, you know, the, the coaches put him on the field. But I feel like if that had happened in practice, they'd be playing him more. I tend to agree with you. And, and it certainly, from what we've mainly seen on the field, that seems to be correct, right? They're doing what they can to get him the ball out in space where he can make people miss and doesn't necessarily need to seek out that contact. But it certainly seems like they don't want to hand him the ball. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. So last week we got an email asking about the best Auburn nickname. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently there's a linebacker in the 1970s at Auburn. His name was Mike Colin, and he, his nickname was Captain Crunch. That's awesome. Ben Taylor from WGZZ texted us one also. What did he say? Oh, man. I gotta, I'll find it. Yeah, one you, sec. You need to find that. And uh, we got a few voicemails that I want to play, but it was I'm going to wait until uh, Lionel Lil Train James. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, me- I remember texting us that now. So 
Uh, Captain Crunch is my favorite. I have never heard of this guy, and like I grew up an Auburn fan and going to all the games. And I mean, I wasn't alive in the 1970s, but Captain Crunch—that's that's a cool one. That is a cool one. Also, just kind of a programming note: Josh Booty, former LSU quarterback, will be on the show tomorrow. Hmm. Let's talk about the showdown in Baton Rouge. How do you spell that name? B O O T Y. Booty. Wow, it is very straightforward. Yeah, his last name's Booty. Okay. So looking forward to that. Ironic, based on what the current LSU quarterback had happened on Saturday. <laughs> I love the internet. That's all I'm going to say there. <laughs> oh, any any other things uh, that, that you want to discuss from Auburn's big win over Arkansas? I mean, the offensive line did its job. Mm-hmm. I want Bo Nix to get more accurate. I love the play calling. I hope Malzahn is able to do that against LSU. <sighs> so that was one of the things, actually. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line, is – there are stats out there. I know Bill Connolly posts some from ESPN. He posts them sometimes. And, and what, But they have a stat that's like offensive line rushing yards, basically. And it's like okay. yards that the offensive line basically earns for the running back. And that the running back gets credit for. That seems he does, so arbitrary. Yeah. But I was, while watching this game, is you notice times where the offensive line would push – the Arkansas defensive line back like three yards and then it would be like a four yard gain. And so, and so to me, watching I mean, that's been that, the big thing is them just losing the line of scrimmage at times. Yeah, Instead so of it like, moving forward, it moved backwards. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, that's a great play by the offensive line, but if you're evaluating running backs, it, it's, it's like, well, Cam Martin didn't add anything to that run. Right. He got as far as the offensive line took him and then he got stopped. Mm-hmm. And so that was why, for me, I just I struggle with the running backs that aren't DJ Williams. I was impressed by DJ Williams. I know you really love Sean Shivers. I I mean, there's definitely a role for Sean Shivers and Cam Martin. The bad part for Shivers is I feel like it's the same role. Yeah, Sean Shivers needs to be involved in the passing game, mm-hmm. and he's just not going to do that at the college level. I would not be shocked if the NFL loves this guy. I wouldn't either. Sean Shivers. I mean, he I mean, look is, at Tariq Cohen. Right, exactly. And I think I think Shivers can be just as good as Tariq Cohen. I, I think Malzahn should be putting Sean Shivers back at punt return if they're going to pull away from Christian Tut. I, I, I also don't think they're pulling away from Christian Tut. I agree. I agree. And you and I talked about that a little bit with Will Hastings getting reps, and people were excited about that. But, yeah, I think Christian Tut's your guy. I think that was a nod of, hey, you didn't get to play a whole lot, and you're from Arkansas, a lot of your family's here. I think, I think that's yeah, what it was for Hastings. A little of that or um, just kind of – even if he's the backup punt returner, like it's, why not it's, it's let good him to get, get back? Yeah, exactly. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I think we're on the same page with a lot of it. I, I think Sean Shivers' role in Auburn is going to be forced a little bit just because mm-hmm. I don't think there's a natural thing in this offense for him, which I mean, is a it's, shame. It's that Cam Martin speed change of pace back. I don't. I, I think Cam Martin's the actual running back, though. I, I think Sean Shivers is the guy that runs in slot, and there's a motion across the field. I, I think they uh-huh. are different. I think Cam Martin could be. A, I, I think Cam Martin is that starting running back role in Malzahn's offense. I think. I think he's going to be the main guy against LSU, because that's who you saw when the game was actually close. I think that means something. Yeah, you may be right. I hope I don't you're think, wrong. I, I do too. I don't think that's what's best, but I think that's what's going to happen. And maybe it's like that at the beginning, and then Gus decides to to go to DJ Williams in the second half or something again. We'll see. Uh, I certainly, it'll certainly be interesting. That that's that's going to be one of the things to watch again. Is who? It's kind of been a thing to watch the whole year, right? Where's who's going to get handed the ball? Because they need that they need that running game to go. 
I, I'm, they said, and, and it was able to go against Arkansas, and I think they'll be able to run it on LSU. Yeah, LSU's defense certainly does not look um, like the daunting LSU defenses we've come to know. That offense, though, man, if you yeah. relax for a second, Joe Burrow's going to find the open guy. I mean, he is. Mississippi State did an admiral job, admirable job. Admiral. Admirable job. Admiral. Admiral uh, State. They were moving. They moved the ball pretty well in the first half from what I watched. And You're then right. They, actually, they were playing pretty good defense um, for the most part. They had a couple coverage busts that really hurt them there in the first half, and that, that was it. Yeah. Where can people find you here, you bud? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Couch Potato. Fantastic. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. You can email the show once again at lockedonauburn.com. And you can call the show. Want to make sure that I get the number right. I don't have it memorized yet. Do, 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 do. You can call the show at 205 502 428 This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.